This is Jennifer Pepita with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. And in this season, we're talking about the power of hospitality for transforming culture and also giving our children a vision for loving others. Today, I'm talking to Lori Beth Aldridge. She podcasts at Elevating Motherhood. You can find her on elevatingmotherhood.com. And I'm so excited to talk to you today, Lori Beth. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited about this. In the last kind of season, every month we're doing a different topic. We were talking about the power of community for helping us really have accountability and support our values as a family. But it's also important to look at hospitality. And part of what this series is about is looking at the practices of the Benedictines and how they can anchor us as modern families. And while the Benedictines had a very strict structure of rules and authority in the monastery, they also offered hospitality to strangers. If someone knocked on their door, they opened up the door and offered them a bowl of soup or a meal or even a stay. And so I think it's really a great conversation for us as families. Like, how can we offer hospitality to people who don't believe the same way as us, who don't think the same way, without letting ourselves be transformed by their beliefs? How would you, just from the, from off the top of your head, how has your family kind of put that into practice? Oh my gosh. Well, the first thing that comes to mind actually is the point that my husband is actually agnostic. And one of my dearest friends on the island of Maui it calls herself uh, non-religious. Um, and I have another friend who is Christian, but is really torn about how to present God to her children and has um, kind of taken an alternative approach to that too. So when I think about including people outside of my Christian belief, it's become an everyday practice for me because it's literally my husband. It's literally some of my best friends. And then it's, it's mom's group friends too. So it's, it is that community that I have and I've seen it go really well and I've seen it go really poorly um, in the last couple of years with all the politics of everything and whatnot. And so the very first thing I think of is um, my role in, in all of this. So I come from the motherhood lens always, always, always first and foremost, it feels really important to me to remember my role and have that self-awareness of what my role is in my children's lives. So um, I look at that first more than like, how can, how are these people influencing me? I think, oh, I am a protector of my kids. I need to be aware of what sort of influences I'm allowing into the lives of my children. And if it's not good for my children, chances are it's probably not good for me either. Um, and protecting them from um, just a lot of the yucky lies of secular culture, honestly. And so if I can view the world through that lens, through the motherhood lens first, and kind of see my role in that, and then step into my role and be active in that, it kind of helps. I also keep in mind when people are talking to me about um, hospitality to others outside of my belief, I always think you're talking about my husband, or you're talking about this, or, you know, honestly, in Christian communities, because I was raised Catholic and was very Catholic, for a long time and three of my children, three out of four of my children are baptized Catholic. 
um, when I hear people talk about Catholics, I'm like, hmm, you're actually talking about my grandmother and or my parents, or you're talking about my sister. And so I take it and make it very personal to me and very personal to my circle, and then try to view how it is I'm showing up through those lenses, if that makes sense. Yeah, I really love that because there are even even for so many women, they they have a husband who maybe is a believer, but doesn't have the same conviction as them about different aspects, you know, like, will he do Bible reading every day with the kids? Is he going to do character training with our children? A lot of these things aren't a given in every marriage. And so learning how even to show hospitality to our own husbands Mm -hmm. is so important. What are some of the things that you've done to honor him while still conveying your beliefs to your children? Uh, Honesty is the first big one. Um, and that I am not coming to the table lightly with that one. Let me tell you, it sounds very like natural, like, oh, honesty. Yes, that's it. Oh, gosh, you guys, we will have been married 10 years um, this coming spring and have been together like 12 or 13, something like that. And it has been a very slow unfolding of learning how to be honest with myself about my beliefs and my my faith and my values and how it is I talk with him because I'm afraid like, what if I say too much or what if I don't say enough or I put pressure on myself to um, like, maybe I have to convert him or maybe I have to um, tiptoe around it. And instead I have laid all of that to the side and gotten out of the way and stopped pretending like I was the Holy spirit and (laughs) instead just did my job and showed up as myself and my most authentic and honest self. And so that is how that path has been opened up is basically me getting out of the way, stop pretending I'm the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit work, invite the Holy Spirit to work in those relationships. And it does. And I see it. And slowly over time, I have been able to point that out um, to my husband. You know, this is how God works. This is how God is working in my life. This is in a very um, pragmatic point, you know, of like, do you want to know how God works? Actually, I got to use your book as an example, um, because I was preparing for the interview, um, your interview on my show. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, man, there's just this one subject I really want to get to. But because I was listening to the audiobook, I don't have the visual of like looking to see what the next thing was. And it was super late at night. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to press play and keep going. And literally your next words in that book, in the audio book, were exactly what it is I wanted to talk about. And I pressed pause and was able to say to my husband, this is how God works. This is how the Holy Spirit is present in my everyday life. And it's what brings me peace. And he sees that. So it's less um, a to-do list or like how we do it, but more of us just showing up authentically every day and having those honest conversations and me being a little bit bolder over time as I become more confident in my own faith. Yeah, I think that a lot of this comes back to trusting the good shepherd, you know, because as women, it's often our nature to manipulate or control people around us into being what we want them to be or being more godly or, you know, and, and, in and so doing shut people out or, mm-hmm. or maybe let people in who we shouldn't, because instead of letting God move in people's lives, mm-hmm. we're trying to be the Holy spirit. Like you said, I love that you, you know, are finding ways to just trust God. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's good. He is working in our family. And I think that is one thing I really saw as I've been reading about, Um, the Benedictines and even people who go into that culture. Like there's a book called in this house of breed by rumor Godden. And it's about a woman who becomes a nun later in life. And the way she had to go in and 
deal with people who were different than her that she probably she had to be under someone's authority as an adult and that's so foreign to us as adult women but there was so much grace in the way that she handled herself and had to learn you know ultimately when we place ourselves under God's authority we can trust that he will work Mm -hmm, 100%. That's why I mentioned awareness of my role. That's what it always comes back to for me is like, what is my role? What is God's role for me in this moment in my life? And we have the spiritual gift of discernment. And thank heavens we get to use it, you know, and I can pray and I can self reflect. And, and that is where all of the the good stuff comes in, you know, all the connections and relationships and the opening of people's hearts and eyes is me staying in my role instead of trying to control. Like you said, it's a very uncomfortable thing to say out loud, but it is something that many of us will be like, "Mm -hmm, yes, nodding our heads silently on the side over here. (laughs) Yeah. I love also that you brought up being hospitable to people who are, who believe in Jesus, but don't have the same theology as us. Cause I've seen where people can get so into their denomination or into their own particular doctrine that they will kind of circle the wagons and evict anybody who doesn't have the same exact belief system. And I'm not even talking about people who do, who, who reject Jesus altogether. I'm talking about, can we fellowship with people who love Jesus, love the Bible, but don't have the exact same interpretation of doctrine as we do? Hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying a lot in the homeschool community and some of my secular friends or people who follow more secular curriculum even um, who say I feel so ousted by a lot of the religious homeschool communities. And I, it's funny because I, my first response is always, I don't feel that. I don't see what you're talking about. I don't experience that. And so I wonder sometimes if it's people coming to the table and with their own kind of hardened hearts or like walls up to that or like, I'm not welcome. But I also think there's truth to what it is they're saying too and what it is they're experiencing because I have seen it on the other side of um, people showing up and hardening their hearts to the secular community and a lot of division that that happens there just within the homeschool community. But to me, it does feel very important to just show up, like you said, and be hospitable. And there are so many things that we can connect on, like in our motherhood journeys and just talking about like, well, we're, we have a lot of commonalities. We're both homeschooling. Um, We both, you know, lived on Maui or we both have traveled to the state park or we're both studying this at the same time, or our children are just having a moment of connection at the playground and we're together and we can be that light in that moment and just be kind Um, without constantly feeling like we have to, have to, have to um, wave our flag, if you will, instead of like waving our flag or, you know, wearing our t-shirt that says, this is the side I've chosen. We can just step into our role and use our gifts and be that light that we have been called to be. Yeah. You know, when you look at the life of Jesus, there was no urgency in him. I don't think that he, he was about his father's business, but I think sometimes as Christians, we either feel like, oh, it's all up to God. And if they're going to get saved, it's all up to him. So I don't even have to hang out with people that I don't like, or that don't go to my church. Or they think, oh, if I don't go get this person saved today, I'm going to hell. And I think that both of those extremes cause a lot of, um, they give Christians a bad name. Because if you look at the one extreme where Christians just circle the wagons and only hang out with people of the same doctrinal position as them, then you get uh, a lot of insular, you know, insular believers where you can't talk about different ideas or you can't learn from each other. You can't be iron sharpening iron. 
And there almost becomes some pride there where if someone has maybe a different a theological idea, they're all of a sudden an infidel. You know, so I don't think that's very good. But then you get the other side where there's this urgency and people feel like they're going to go to hell if they don't get someone saved. And I think that creates this kind of desperation that's very off-putting as well. It's not really love. It's more about fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. So how have you kind of found the balance? Because I'm sure as, you know, it sounds like a newer-ish believer, maybe last five to 10 years, you're working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm, For sure. I think you hit the nail on the head with the no urgency thing. And maybe I've just assumed that it comes with um, maturity as I age. And maybe it has um, because now I'm 42 and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm supposed to be more mature at this point. But I also think it's the deepening of my own understanding too. Um, I have felt very called to drop the urgency and drop the need to fix or drop the need to um, block out literally everything that doesn't align with us and just create this echo chamber that doesn't really work. And you hear that a lot. It's like a buzzword of like, oh, you can't really just hang out with people that are like you because that creates an echo chamber. And then on the other side of that, though, it's really important to surround yourselves with other Christians and to just have that ease because you have that commonality and then you can go deeper and you're not searching for like, what do we have in common or what do we not, you know? But I also have, um, again, coming back to that role and understanding my role, I actually started wearing a ring that says child of God. And I have felt very called to the verse of like, blessed are the peacemakers. And um, as a passionate person, um, as a person who can express themselves very passionately, I'm like, am I a peacemaker? Am I a peacemaker? Um, What does that look like with like people pleasing, you know, and like, you know, so I've done this big self exploration, deep dive on that. And I keep being guided back to blessed are the peacemakers. And that's kind of your role. And by the way, you should get this ring. And by the way, you should do this. So the way I show up is, um, and being a light for my kids and people that I meet is I have opened myself up to um, being um, used by God, if you will. I am available to be an instrument of your peace. I am available to pass along messages. If there is some person that you want me to talk to, tap me on the shoulder, I will open my mouth and I will give them a compliment or say something like that. And so that's what I've done. And that's how I've taken on that role of um, peacemaker is if I'm in the store, I'll give you an example. I was in Costco the other day and this woman was looking at the turkey breasts, which are stuffed with stuffing. Okay. And they're very delicious. If you have the cornbread sausage stuffing at your Costco, you should get it. <laughs> and she's looking at them and I felt very tapped to say something to her. And I said, those are really delicious. And she goes, are they because I'm sitting here looking at this and I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I'm a widow Aww. and I don't know what to do for my holidays. And I just, I'm looking at this package and I'm not sure I can afford it. And what am I going to do with all this extra food? And I looked up and I said, actually they're $20 off right now. So you could get this whole thing for 16 bucks and you could cut it in half and easily freeze it and have one for like Christmas and one for new year's or whatever, you know, or a later date. And she 
was so moved. She said, you have no idea. You have just solved a major problem for me. So she wasn't just trying to buy a turkey breast. She was trying to figure out how to navigate the waters of, of being a widow and what can she can afford and what she can't. And there were multiple problems standing there right there beside me. But it was like, I felt tapped to, you need to talk to her. You need to say something to her. And she literally was like, Merry Christmas. I love you. Thank you so much. And it was just this simple thing of, no, I'm not just a bored housewife showing up at Costco because I'm not, I'm not that. But people, assume that, you know, if you're chatty out in public, well, you must be bored or almost you need the social interaction. It's like, no, I've asked God to use me to connect with other people and to be that light. And I'm like, tap me on the shoulder and I will open my big mouth and I will say something um, because I really enjoy talking with people. And when you do that, it sets a good example for my kids. You know, they see me making people stay and they can't quite figure it out, but they're really curious about it, you know, and they're more inspired to interact with other people and to be that light in that way. But as soon as I um, let go of that urgency and let go of my need to fix things or save people necessarily um, and focused more on the one-on-one relationships, my, I feel like my whole life as a disciple changed. Yeah, that's so beautiful. It's, you know, there's a verse that says, be ready in season and out to give a word for the hope that's within you. And I think that is what Jesus did is that he said, I'm always about my father's business. So he wasn't, you know, sometimes he did talk to people, sometimes he didn't. He knew what he was supposed to do because he was always about his father's business. And I think that's what we need to cultivate is that kind of awareness. You know, today I need to invite someone in. Tomorrow we need some alone time. And how do you balance that? Because I think for some families, they live in a neighborhood and there's neighbor kids coming over all the time or asking their kids to go play. And for us, we honestly have almost never lived in a neighborhood like that. We have lived out in the country or uh, in, you know, in an older people's neighborhood, whatever. So we were spared that decision-making process because honestly, as someone who was molested as a child, when my parents looked away for not a long time, I am very cautious about who my kids play with. And, and especially with young children where they're in that stage of being very experimental and they aren't um, necessarily have the confidence to say no if someone older or bigger. And I've just heard too many horror stories of kids getting molested and having their whole lives damaged by that circumstance. So how do you discern when to let your kids play with strangers, when to kind of pull in a little bit? Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you bring that up because it's actually a thing in our marriage that we talk about a lot because my husband is very guarded in that way and very much like, no, there's a lot of bad in the world and no, we can't trust. He's very untrusting of people and I'm very trusting of people. And so we have that kind of yin and yang back and forth of, okay, I think you might be a little extreme. Okay. I think you might be a little too open, you know? And so we keep each other in check in that way and constant conversation and it's uncomfortable conversations. It's uncomfortable saying like, Hey, I think you need to look at this whole situation of who's invited, who's around, what kind of influence they could have on our kids. Are you aware of where our kids are? Because we have a lot of kids, you know, and if you're at a party or something like that, or a get together or Thanksgiving and, you know, just being aware of who you are around, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, if you will, because there's almost like the good girl mentality of like, no, you can't just assume that about people, but it's hard because we are trying to discern and we are trying to make judgments and, and maybe we haven't known someone for a really long time. And can you trust these people? And it's, it's very, 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 very sticky for sure. And 
for us in our house, it's a constant conversation. Um, but also like you bringing it up today and me thinking about it in other situations and a couple other conversations I've had with um, friends or like newer acquaintances lately about this exact same topic um, and protecting our children from possible traumatic situations or interactions or them being a victim in a situation, I consider that to be a red flag for myself, that I need to be more aware in this season, in this moment of exactly where my kids are, who is around them. And maybe I need to be outside more when they're playing, or maybe I need to ask them to be in the backyard right now. So just us talking about it right now, the practice I'm going to do is you've been flagged many, many, many times. You need to be aware of this. It's time to take action and do something different. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I love that there is a balance. Like I think it's okay to say, hey, kiddos, you can come over between four and six today. It's going to be playtime at my house and, you know, in, like supervise some kind of activity or let them go play outside and, and really have equipped your children with great ideas for how to avoid sticky situations, but also play outside where everyone in the neighborhood can see you and not in people's bedrooms or things like that. So we always had a lot of parameters like that when there were uh, situations that could have gone awry, but then also making sure that we do have that good balance of family time where we're connecting with our kids so that they feel loved because, you know, my, my parents, they're both so wonderful, but they were in a very busy season. And I, I was a victim because I was alone in a, in a, in a more deep way than just, I was not being watched in that moment, you know? And so I think that's something that is so important to think about is, are we connecting with our children? Do they feel loved and safe with us so that they know mm -hmm. they can come to us and that, and that they don't need to look to a predator for comfort? That's right. Or um, the truth or honesty or so from a very practical standpoint too, then we openly talk with our children, not necessarily about predator situations, but we openly say, um, you can come to us and we will tell you the truth every single time. And we do. So a funny example, a lighthearted example was we were um, at the wild and free conference in Franklin and we were driving. And my one daughter who was learning to read said, let's go Brandon. She said, who's Brandon? What does that mean? And I turned around and locked eyes with her. And I said, come to me anytime you have a question, I will tell you the truth. And I told her what it meant. And I told her the whole story. And she laughed. <laughs> and I said, but that's what I need you to know. More than like being politically correct or anything like that with our kids, I just said, come to me and I will tell you the truth always. And so that is the foundation we have laid for our kids or like, if you're uncomfortable, come to me and talk to me. So my husband and I have had to have conversations where he, you know, gets frustrated or frazzled about things that they're coming and talking with us about. I'm like, you listen, because their interests that they have now, whether they bore us to tears or not, these are the things they're interested in. And they need to know that they can come to us not only for the truth, but also for an ear to listen to what it is they're interested in because my kids are nine, seven, five, and now one. And the nine-year-old and seven-year-old are coming to me and talking about relationships and feelings and crushes and who likes who and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, come to me, come to me. My husband's a little frazzled because he's got three girls, you know, and I'm like, don't get frazzled. Let them come to us. Let them come to us because I want them to be coming now for connection, for listening, and for just oh, honesty, no matter what. Yeah, I love that you're creating that open culture. I think it's so important 
that we not only teach our children good character and model it, but we also help them know that that making mistakes is okay, that 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 feelings are okay, and that it's important to come to your parents and talk about it. And then when they do, that we don't act shocked or surprised, or um, that we don't freak out on them. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a really fun conversation. I'm so excited for families to hear and, you know, kind of some things to think about, like, are you connecting enough with your children that they are safe when you're showing hospitality and how can you show hospitality, open up the circle and love others, even others who are of the household of faith, but not necessarily the same theological uh, slant. So thanks for joining today, Lori Beth. And I'm excited for people to find you on elevatingmotherhood.com and on Instagram at Lori Beth Aldridge. Thanks, Jennifer. I really appreciate you. 